Welcome everyone to the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, a Prairie Proud Wrestling Podcast covering everything from Winnipeg to Worldwide. My name is Blair Pacheco. I hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great day, evening, weekend, whatever it is you're sitting down to listen to this. Now, last week was I was joined by Joe King. You know, a, he was a referee extraordinaire. First time I've ever had a referee on the show. This week, I am joined by a very special guest. I am joined by one of the top managers one of the top personalities in all of canadian wrestling right now so joining me this week on the podcast is none other than thaddeus archer the third thaddeus how are you doing i'm doing great it's a beautiful day here in alberta sun is shining uh i'm yeah i'm feeling uh absolutely fantastic i uh got the love of my seven brethren behind me and uh i'm here to talk to you so i've been looking forward to this for a while me too. I'm glad we finally got this chance to sit down and talk. I mean, I think I've, uh, after you, I will have been able to talk to all of seven now at various parts. Oh, so, hey, there we go. I don't know if I've listened to all of them. I've listened to Pride. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've listened to Mars and TJ. I guess I have some listening to do tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I've listened that's to a handful, right. but it's so hard to keep up with everything, right? It's... Yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, and there's so much stuff out there, so it's tough, you know? Like, I know there's podcasts I listen to, and you just can't listen to everything nowadays. So. Mm-hmm. so, I mean, you are a very prominent figure in Western Canada, especially. So, I mean, like, let's talk about you getting involved with wrestling. Like, where did your love for it all start? Uh, yeah, this is a conversation like I've, I mean, I've had this asked a few times. I don't remember a specific match. I don't mm-hmm. remember a specific day or age. I just know I was quite young and uh stampede came on TV. It was uh Saturday mornings. I think they were just doing reruns at that point. Like stampede was done, but there was, they had Maple Leaf wrestling on the weekends and that yep. was stampede. And then it was WWF after. And I, all I remember was just this, dingy kind of like it was a traditional stampede look this dingy kind of layout with the ring and everything like that and everything just seemed so kind of raw and real and visceral to me and so i was just immediately hooked towards it um that being said uh i'd have to kind of like sneak off and watch it because my uh my dad caught me a little while later watching it and he hated wrestling so he mm-hmm. would ask why i was watching that so i'd always it was always my little secret like even throughout high school i never owned a wrestling shirt during the monday night wars everything like that i just always kept wrestling to myself and so yeah maybe because it was that little secret i just kind of fell for it even more it was my special getaway from everything and I mean, I never, I, I often think about it, the uh, Thad back then, uh, to tell him that I would be involved with wrestling in any way, fashion, or form would blow his mind, because I never thought I would be, but mm-hmm. I absolutely loved it. Everything, the characters, the action, I mean, it's uh, it's one of the greatest uh, art forms on earth. It's got everything you need, comedy, drama, action, a little bit of adventure, uh Barbed wire thumbtacks, depending on how you look at it, you know. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned Stampede Wrestling, and for me, that is one that, like, it, I wish that there was a way to go back and rewatch all of that because, I mean, 
I grew up, you know, every Sunday on CTV or CKY, I think it was uh, channel five. I remember they were showing it, you know, and it, you'd see, you know, your oh. sing and uh, Bruce Hart, bad company with Brian Pillman. And to me, like you, you got little glimpses of that, but never like a full stretch because, you know, it's a show that would easily be preempted if something else was on, but like, yeah, I would love to be able to go back and just like take all of that back in. I would even just have loved to like when I was younger, like as I said, my dad wasn't a fan, so there was no one to take me. I would have just loved to have, I didn't see my, uh, my first live show until I was like 21, 2021. Oh, wow. So yeah. So I, I would have just loved to have like gone to a stampede show to like feel that because I've met many old time fans that used to go to stampede and, uh, and people back then, and those people still now get very intense. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, they are very into it. It's, uh, I always love having those older fans because like they put more energy into it than the young kids that are there watching the show. So <laughs> I remember that there was the odd PCW show here, premier championship wrestling that, uh, there you know, the crowd would be sparse, you know, maybe 50 people for a show, but there was, you know, you can still talk to other fans about it today. There was the one old lady there who was there with, I don't know if it was her son or whatever. And she was getting right up in there. And like, Just that's screwed. the kind of fan I like to see there. Oh yeah. No, it's interact. Like that's, that's why, again, it's a great art form is that I encourage the fans to interact. It's, it's, it, we're all making the show together, right? It's mm -hmm. obviously we don't encourage you to get in the ring, but uh, it's great to, there's, yeah, there's just, you know, you can, the certain fans you can remember just as well as uh, any indie wrestler you've ever seen on a local show because they're, they're so into it that they're almost as, I even tell people that haven't come to wrestling, it's like, come out to the show because the crowd's almost as entertaining as the stuff in the ring. Mm hmm. 100%. And it's, you can still laugh about it. You'll have fun. And I've mentioned before, I tell anyone, you go to a wrestling show, go with an open mind, you will have fun there. Yeah. You, you go closed minded, you're not going to enjoy it, but you go and just like take it all in, immerse yourself in it. And I can promise you, you will leave liking something out of the night you just saw. Mm hmm. 100%. So, now, I mean, I mean, you were a fan growing up, you know, you had to keep it more to yourself, which I mean, <laughs> I mean, as a wrestling fan, there was many times where I've had to do that myself, you know, for different reasons, mainly because I just didn't want to get teased and made fun of, which was much more prevalent years ago than I think it was yeah. now. Yeah. But, so like, you know, you, you're a fan, you're, you're growing up. When were you thinking like, Hey, I'm going to start getting involved with wrestling? well so my friends and i in our late teens we used to you know being in a i grew up in a small town and not having anything really better to do except for the fact that i had a trampoline in my backyard um we would essentially kind of put on wrestling shows but the guys that i was doing with it was more it's a little more closer to strong style or a shoot like i mean there'd be sometimes where it get somewhat real and there was less of the character to it. It was just more of us beating the shit out of each other or having <laughs> fun. Right. Yeah. And so like that gave me kind of a little taste from it, of it. And uh, I realized at that point in time, and this is sort of the same era of like when we were, when I was growing up as Jackass and CKY, we were yeah. skate kids. So that was huge too. So it wasn't just that, but also we were doing kind of stupid stunts trying to emulate um, Jackass and stuff like that. And I realized through that, that I had a, I had a high pain tolerance, like a high threshold for pain. And, uh, so it kind of just 
I never thought I could wrestle or anything like that. But in that period of time, that handful of years, I realized like, well, maybe I could like, I, I mean, I can take it. I mean, I, I'm not a strong guy by any means, but I can take a hell of a licking and keep <laughs> on digging. So, um, yeah, so it was just sat in my mind that like, you know, maybe, and, uh, and then what I eventually did because what most people try to do, or I wasn't very much of a small town person. I moved out of my small town and up to Edmonton and, uh, and through that and through like a few coworkers ended up and going, watching, uh, watching a pay-per-view at a bar because, uh, I, you know, was a guy living on my own. I didn't have enough money to like buy a pay-per-view. Yeah. So I went to watch a pay-per-view at a bar and it was through that, that, uh, the first time I went and watched it at the end of the pay-per-view, two guys just started fighting in the bar. And I was like, <laughs> like, Oh oh my God, like what's happening here? Like you know, these guys, like, did they have a bet on something? And they, but you know, the one guy had a mic and he was like, actually like trash talking the guy. And I was like, this kind of seems like wrestling. I guess use terms. Is this a work? Is this a shoot? But like, they had a match, you know, like throwing each other on the pool table and hitting each other with the pool ball with the cue in the nuts and all kinds of stuff. And as you're watching it, you're realizing, okay, no, this is this is a wrestling match, or at least yeah. like, you're backyard wrestling in a bar. And uh, so, you know, I watched that and came back again next month for the pay-per-view, the WWE pay-per-view, and uh, talked with the one gentleman that sort of seemed to instigate it. And apparently he was well-known for doing this, either... Um, during pay-per-views or uh, he was part of the death metal metal scene and he'd do it in bars and uh, he had actually trained at one of the like Lance Storm and Chris talk about the the Keith and the Bruce training camps though mm-hmm. so, and they do like a training camp for a brief period of time he had attended one of those and then he'd worked briefly with Can-Am when they were in Edmonton so he had done some wrestling and so yeah got to know him and started wrestling with him in said bars <laughs> and uh i mean from there uh i kind of sat him down one day and i thought you know the, we we had a bit of a following obviously people were coming to the show for the pay-per-view but people enjoyed that aspect and so i i sat him down and said do we want to make a company out of this and have a belt and invite more people to do it i had a roommate that wanted to do it and I mean, we did that for a better part of a save a short break of for when I broke my back. Uh, we did that for a better part of like eight, eight years. And oh, wow. Yeah. Moved from doing it with pay-per-views more to the, the music scene. And what we were doing was when bands were setting up and taking down at metal and punk venues, uh, we take that opportunity because it'd be a live mic and we'd have a match. So it was kind of like a rock and wrestling i guess you could say like there was already a bunch of people there for you know a rambunctious punk or metal show and then we put on some wrestling and we'd have anywhere from you know one to five matches in a night mixed intermixed with the music and uh you know we didn't know much better we didn't have a ring we we relied on weapons and it was essentially backyard in a bar hardcore but uh, we loved what we were doing. We were one, you know, unit together. And uh, for the, for what it was, we had a blast doing it. So. I mean, I, I'm amazed at that, especially for the fact that, like, you know, the past few years, you've seen an influx in, like, 
no ring shows happening, especially yeah. with, where you'll have, you know, a couple matches, a couple bands play. And that'll be the night, you know, like I've been a part of one. It was, it was a lot of fun. So like the fact that you were doing that that many years ago, like that's, you guys were almost like innovators with all of it. I, I laugh at it because I'm just like, like, that's what we used to do. We used to get in trouble for it. Like, because mm-hmm. at the time, Edmonton had a, a sports commission that you would have to pay uh a fee to run a wrestling show. So whether it's anyone from, you know, Joe Schmo with a, with a ring to WWE coming in town, they'd have to pay the boxing and wrestling and the combative sports commission. And we didn't do any of that. And so we were deemed illegal. Mm-hmm. So not only did we have them trying to, you know, find us and stop us because we were kind of jumping from one bar to another, but they had informed the AGLC to try to like find this bar to take away their liquor license. Um, and at the same time, some local promotions, apparently, you know, we had heat or whatever you want to call it. They were trying to find out who we were too, and stop us from doing this. So <laughs> we're kind of like this fight club for a bunch of guys doing backyard, but, uh, it's funny to see now that you know, mm-hmm. there, there is this sort of prevalence of, of no ring shows. And I mean, there's varying opinions around it, but I, I'm, I'm a big fan of like, I like a, a mixed, I like a yep. full shark cootery board of wrestling and mm-hmm. so you know if you're gonna have a no ring show once in a while go for it as long as it's entertaining and people are getting hurt and everyone's having fun why not i think that's the main thing i mean with wrestling uh it's there's so many it's like ice cream there's so many different flavors you don't necessarily just have to have your vanilla or chocolate you want your sprinkles or your mint chocolate chip go for it and the same is with wrestling you you want your high flying you want your lucha libre cool you want your strong style awesome you want a no ring show with thumbtacks and a light tube have at her you know it's do it safely and in the you know proper spirit of things and you know just enjoy it it's wrestling yeah just let it happen guys like there's always going to be deathmatch stuff deal with it like don't watch it don't get annoyed or if you love it go watch it like too many people the the advent of social media has uh has helped a lot of things and at the same time has created a lot of little pockets of toxic culture when it comes to varying things so Look, it is if, what it is if cactus jack can do it in 1995 in japan and make a career out of it afterwards i mean then there you go you know so yeah that's all i'll say with it but, <laughs> uh, so i mean you you were huge into that that was, that was a big thing for you and i know then following that you progressed into ring announcing correct yeah so what it was at the time is uh you know being like essentially the company was mine. I was, I'm the one who drove it. I was the one running it. Um, and you know, to kind of help with, uh, so what happened is that I broke my back doing something else completely. And I, as soon as I healed up and did physio, the the guys were chomping at the bit. Can we do shows again (laughs) and looking to me to lead it. And I wasn't going to wrestle because I had broken my back. So I transitioned into like a, the authority figure. (laughs) And I was doing that, and then the itch got to me. I, I wanted to wrestle, so <laughs> I still needed that character, but I really wanted to get out there and do stuff, and I felt like I was good for it. So uh, I created a mask character called Mr. Anarchy, which was essentially a complete ripoff of uh, Mr. Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and Road Dog's beginning of the DX speech. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Anarchy Productions proudly presents to you Mr. Anarchy. And I turn around, I have an Anarchy sign spray painted on the back of my sport jacket, Anarchy. And 
Uh, so I ring announced myself essentially. And one guy came out to the show who was a ring announcer for another company in of actual wrestling company in Edmonton called real Canadian wrestling. And he wanted to uh, transition into more of an authority figure himself. But the, the promoter had told him you need to find someone to replace you as ring announcer. And he thought you did amazing. Do you want to come be a ring announcer? And so that's how I got my, foot in the door with uh what you would call professional wrestling <laughs> well how long did you do that for i was a ring announcer for two years yeah um yeah i want to say two or a little two and a half um yeah it was it was my way in the door uh at the same time while i was ring announcing before shows i was tra learning from whatever wrestler who would take time to teach me mm -hmm. i would train in the ring because i did actually want to look at possibly wrestling Mm -hmm. Um, and through that, you know, uh, I, I loved ring announcing. I was very good at it, but at some point in time, another promoter sort of was starting, uh, starting a company and he knew me and he said, I, he knew my bread and like we had talked and he knew my bread and butter. What I always loved was managers and yeah. I'd always wanted to be a manager. And he said, how can we make it happen? Because you have far, what he, how he put it, you have far too much personality for a ring announcer. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I said, okay, let's try it. I'll give it a shot. And so I was kind of doing dual duty for a short period of time where one company in Edmonton, I was the ring announcer at the same time in the other company, I was now Thaddeus Archer the third. So, okay. So, well, when it comes to managing, I mean, like you are, like I said before, you're known throughout Canada. I mean, you've managed some of the top wrestlers that have taken part all across the Western provinces. Now, who were the ones that you kind of took inspiration from to prepare yourself for this? For manager? Well, I mean, it's no secret. Anybody that knows me or follows me on social media, Bobby the Brain Heenan mm -hmm. uh, is my really my be all end all um like no i've said it multiple times before kids wanted to be hulk hogan and you know kids wanted to be jake the snake and uh you know as i watched wrestling more and more i thought i wanted to be bobby the brain heenan he just mm -hmm. always seemed like he had one up on everybody and uh he could talk he could he could bump he could like really he could do anything and mm -hmm. so I always fall back to him. Um, yeah. But obviously, outside of that, I would really drink in any managers I, I could get. I mean, some of my like true favorites are I love Jimmy Hart in his Memphis area, area, mm -hmm. Memphis era. Like, I appreciate him in his heel days when he first started in the WWF with the Hart Foundation, but um, in Rhythm and Blues and you name it. But I love Jimmy Hart in his Memphis era. He was just such a piece of shit. Like, you just mm -hmm. had to hate him. Um, and then like Gary Hart, um, and then of course, Jim Cornette, uh, yeah. Harvey Whippleman. I love Harvey, Harvey Whippleman stuff. Bruno was amazing. Um, obviously, uh, whether he's Percy Pringle or Paul Bear, uh, you just, Paul was amazing. Like I, uh, I, there was a clandestine imitation games match, which is uh, sort of like a, when clandestine did act one and two and two was during the pandemic. But with, there was always uh, two wrestlers would dress as other wrestlers and have a match together. It was an Im imitation games match. And I was asked in a match between uh, uh, what would be Kane and an undertaker to be the Paul bearer. And so I kind of went back and watched a lot of Paul's old stuff and you forget like how creepy and mm -hmm. eloquent and good and, 
uh, just like how amazing Paul was in his early days in the WWF. So Paul was one, um, Sherry Martel, um, you name it. Like Paul, Paulie dangerously with a dangerous Alliance. Another one of my yes. huge favorites. I, I mean, I could go on and on for days, but I just had this like deep appreciation for managers always. And anytime I had a chance, once, you know, you had the advent of uh, the internet, like you had YouTube and people putting clips on there, I'd always just go watch, other managers just to dive in and learn more about them or their mannerisms or how they handled situations or how they bumped or you name mm -hmm. it. So. Well, with Bobby, one of the things I always liked was like the Heenan family always had such a like wide, you know, range of characters in there. Yes. You know? Like you would have your like top level guys, you'd have your mid car teams, you'd have your, you know, your, your jobbers, your, your low level guys. And like, he'd still support all of them the same, still treated everyone like on the same playing field. I love yep. that about him and his quick wit, like the lines that he would come up with when he was doing commentary or things oh. like that. Like, I will go back and rewatch a Nitro or like one of those early or, you know, one of the later. The Monsoon era stuff. Was, yes. Yes. Him and Just oh, playing, playing off Gorilla. Like it will be always my favorite commentary duo. Um, but yeah, no, he, it, funny enough. Did you know he had a writer? I did not know like, that. He did not come up with all this, like this whole plethora of material and, you know, one-liners and quips, obviously he'd come up with enough. Like he, mm -hmm. he would, you know, stand in front of the camera and run a promo and it wasn't, uh, you know, script, full script verbatim or anything like that. But uh, for a lot of his like sort of one-liners and jokes, he had, he had a writer. Um, I can't remember the name of the gentleman. You think I should being such a fanboy of Bobby the Brain Heenan, but that just blew my mind. I was like, like he was basically the Johnny Carson of pro wrestling like, <laughs> or I mean, who would you say the David Letterman for the newer era? I'm a little older. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I like uh, that you also mentioned uh, Paul E from the Dangerous Alliance because I know, like for me, WCW was something that we weren't privy to all the time. Like, no, whenever they do a free like TV uh, package of like, oh, you get TBS for you know two weeks, thirty days. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you get to watch, you know, WCW Saturday night, and you'd see the Dangerous Alliance. So like. I know that I probably look back at it with much fonder time that it actually was, but like it still to me was one of like my favorite eras that 92 years. Yeah. Well, and it felt like, uh, like because you can only watch it so much. Cause like what happened was in, in Alberta, we got TBS and my dad was a big TV guy. Like I was essentially a latchkey kid. I was raised on TV and, uh, he he would get the package with the TBS and it just seemed so like new and different and special because you'd always had WWF and whatever, mm -hmm. WWE, but like, and there was just so much weird stuff on, on WCW. Like it, it was, some of it didn't stick, but it was just, it, I don't know. Yeah. It's always a, like my guilty little, I wouldn't say guilty little secret, but my like special little corner of wrestling yeah. was that era of, wcw from then until basically sort of hogan walked in the door it was and even some of that with the dungeon of doom was ridiculous but yeah it was just it was weird it was cool it was different and that's the thing it was different than what you were seeing you know like a guy like pn news you know the rapper coming out and you're just like okay <laughs> or big josh a guy with like an axe handle and he's supposed to be a lumberjack but the axe handle there's no axe on it you know yeah like, hey, why not you know
<laughs> so my favorite story to this day is the the whole blue bloods and uh william regal taking bobby eaton and making him like a, a gentleman like a yeah. proper english gentleman and that the, the vignettes and everything about that was just like to take this southern boy and make him like a proper english gentleman was just oh i i actually just re, re recently rewatched the whole bunch of it and i love it so much well i mean like thaddeus archer the third you know become you know like for to come up with who he is, what were you drawing inspiration from? Like, how did you become who you are today? <laughs> I, it's been a process. Uh, so it, all, all it ever started with was one word. And that was Thaddeus. Mm -hmm. I heard the name Thaddeus one day and I thought that sounds like a douchebag. Like that sounds like a guy you want to punch a guy you want to hate. There's mm -hmm. just something about the way Thaddeus sounds. And so that was in my head. And then, you know, when I had the opportunity um, I had to be to manage, I had to come up with more. So I was sort of thinking and uh, literally it was like two episodes in Archer, the TV show had just started. And basically I was just going like Thaddeus this, Thaddeus that, and trying to find stuff. And it came up on the TV and I was like Thaddeus Archer. And I'm like, that kind of works. And, uh, and I really didn't know how i was gonna be like i went out my first couple times and i was just basically acted like a douchebag but uh i needed to figure out like how i wanted to look what i wanted to do and i had uh, my wife had got me this because i had the, going back to that mr anarchy like i had this like plaid sports coat with an anarchy simple spray paint on i've always loved sports coats and suits to some degree um and in my younger years being a punk i'd have them with like patches and yeah. and safety pins and all that kind of stuff and trying to make it look different and she had uh we went through a walk through an antique mall here in edmonton and there was this 1970s klondike days which is like the big i don't think it's it's called k days in edmonton now but it's the big fair in edmonton mm -hmm. it's years and years old and there was like this costume klondike days pinstripe green uh suit with frocked green uh lapels and this you know like the dumb and dumber uh wavy kind of dress shirt and and green emerald little cufflinks and stuff like that it was just and a gold colonel sanders tie and it was just this like ridiculous suit and i tried it on in the place just on a whim and it fit me perfectly and then she went and bought it for me for my birthday so when i had the opportunity to be a manager i was like well maybe i'll wear this suit mm -hmm. and then so i got to the venue the day of my first show and i thought okay the suit seems like one thing but maybe i should add something and i'm second guessing myself and i had a pair of uh on a whim from clearly contacts or something, I got like a $1 pair of Ray-Ban prescription lenses, like thicker uh, lens lenses, which I don't, didn't really wear at the time. I was either contacts or like a lighter pair of glasses. And I was like, I never use these. Maybe I'll wear these, uh, which I mean, I wish I didn't because now it's become part of my look and I have to wear them all the time. And I've broken numerous pairs, but uh, yeah, I, I just basically went out for my first few shows as Thaddeus Archer. Uh, I had a weird suit. I had my glasses and I didn't quite know who I was. <laughs> and so who Thaddeus Archer is has grown over time. And even to the point that my first two shows, I was actually Thaddeus Archer the second. Okay. Um, the promoter thought there wasn't enough to the name and wanted to add something to it. And so he added Thaddeus Archer the second. 
and went out a couple times. And the guy I was working with at the time, we came back after our, our third match working together. And he said to the promoter, it sounds dumb. Like he should be Thaddeus Archer Jr. Well, like, mm-hmm. And he looked at us, he goes, why don't you call him Thaddeus Archer the third? It just makes more sense. And we looked yeah. at each other and was like, well, there, it's kind of alliterative, you know, Thaddeus third. And it just kind of worked. It was psh, eureka moment. And mm-hmm. uh, then from there, for my character, I just kind of had to, I didn't want to abide by any traditional tropes of managers. I didn't want to mm-hmm. be the money manager. I didn't want to be the, I, I wanted to just figure myself out organically. And yeah. so I've just done that with time. And basically the, the best way I can sum up what Thaddeus Archer the third is now after doing this for over 10 years is that, uh, you know, I, he's, uh, I like to think of myself as a mastermind. I like to think of myself as the, you know, the man that's working the long con. Um, mm-hmm. I'm completely selfless, selfless in the fact that I will put my body on the line and do anything for my clients. And at the same time, sometimes it'll appear that I'm being uh, in, not insubordinate, but being a nincompoop or, you know, like I, I'm not knowing what I'm doing, but that's part of my play mm-hmm. is that I may seem like a bumbling moron, but in the end, it's whatever it takes to get a win. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I mean, recently with the passing of Baba Archer, I came into a whole bunch of money and uh, I went against what I said I was always going to do. And I've become a money manager. <laughs> so, <laughs> and through that, I've become greed <laughs> with the seven, with seven. So, so it's, well, it's always just like, I, I, I feel like you should, you should evolve as you go. Like you look at Jericho, who isn't yes. a manager, mind you, but I just feel like performers should always evolve as they go along, change things hone things and and find whatever voice they need to be in that time if that makes Mm -hmm. sense well i mean as people we're always growing we're always learning new things trying new things doing new things and so it should be no different than you know someone that you're you know portraying you know Mm -hmm. Thaddeus archer isn't going to stay the same throughout all of his life he's going to grow and do different things and it's a chance to see what works what'll stick and just to continue like you know seeing what kind of different avenues you can take to like go with the character. Yeah. And I just didn't want to fall into like one simple, like there's your typical indie manager. I yeah. wanted to, I wanted people to think like, who is this guy? What, what are his motives? Oh, is he like that? I don't know. Maybe wait, he's like this. You want to keep people guessing. And so, uh, I mean, you look at Paul, Pauly dangerously, the Paul Heyman is he's changed over time too. And, mm-hmm. and I just, uh, yeah, that's essentially who, who I was, but when I first started, I had no idea who that Archer the Third was. If I'm being honest, <laughs> well, you've been known for your suits. I mean, you go like I was scrolling through your Instagram, your social media, and just the different ones you have, like phenomenal. Have you ever had you know people dress up with in suits, you know, showing up to the shows, you know, almost cosplaying yourself, anything like that? I don't think I've had a cosplay. There was a fan here in Edmonton that looked, he wore thicker glasses. He didn't wear suits, but he looked like a, a younger version of me. Essentially we were similar in looks and the fans would call him my son. And then I play off that. Well, he's not my son. And then I'd sneak up to him at ringside and be like, tell your mom, she's not getting alimony this month. So I <laughs> I'd deny he was my son, but then I'd tell him to say something to his mom and uh but no one's ever i mean some fans of like i obviously get tagged in tons of stuff on social media when it comes to like when there's a wacky suit or christmas suits Mm -hmm. um and i have had a few fans sort of wear i think a couple times wear little weird suits but no one's ever like 
God, who wants to cosplay as Thaddeus Archer III? Hey, you never know. <laughs> but uh, it, 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 it's become my thing. I'm so well known for both now, you know, not just in my professional life, but my personal life. Um, it's, yeah, the topic of suits come up. I mean, when I have, and I'm looking at some here, and that's only some in the Archer Cave, I have, I think I'm at 24 now. Okay. 24 Thaddeus Archer the Third suits. That's and commitment. So it's, it's, yeah, it's gotten bad. It's, uh, <laughs> I've definitely, the missus is, uh, thank God for the pandemic. I dialed it back a little bit. At one point mm -hmm. in time, I think I got four or five suits in a year for a good few years there. So. Well, see, that's a perfect opportunity for me to plug that. The listeners can go to Love Wrestling, sign up for the Patreon, and they can see all the video content like that we're filming right now while we do this mm -hmm. interview. So, I mean, it, it's a perfect chance. You know, go subscribe to the Patreon. Some incredible content up there. And that's the plug for you, Spencer. I hope. <laughs> well, and we're working on more. And, I mean, if I can find some time, I've had some ideas for the Patreon. Um, all of us that work together in Love Wrestling really want to give – as much as we can mm -hmm. i mean i've been even told in the past like with with my youtube and everything like that i should have a patron i don't feel like i'd give enough to people yeah. but uh there will there will be all kinds of clips obviously with uh the archer report now done there will still be some promos and you'll see those either through patreon uh you will see them first through patreon and then eventually or maybe through the love wrestling and it's really a big push within the company with spencer and uh with some of us that help you know uh drive the direction of the company is to push you like right now i think we're at six or seven patreon members and it just keeps growing and we really want to get more people there mm -hmm. and come up with some weird fun stuff that makes it worth your while whether yeah. it's you know the the footage from the clandestine wrestling shows or uh i mean any side shows we're doing like we're doing a show on a golf course here a week from saturday and mm -hmm. any of the footage from that is going to go up on the patreon so yeah you'll get to see kind of weird and different stuff and some fun stuff about those other shows is that it's not your tv your uh your main show so you kind of get to see people switch it up a little bit you'll get to yeah. see somebody maybe be uh play-by-play -play or somebody be the ring announcer for a different for a night say like with goose or mm -hmm. uh or someone be a, a heel or a face as opposed to what they normally are so yeah, highly recommend the love wrestling patreon without a doubt some great stuff up on there don't miss out on it and i mean you're you're supporting some uh fantastic people doing some great things and uh all for the love of wrestling so um now i want to talk about the archer report how it all started you know what you had hoped for it to be and just like just walk us through it <laughs> um well, just it actually started because I had no one to manage at the time. Mm -hmm. um, basically, just everybody was in the middle of something. I didn't quite have anyone I wanted. And it was about the time that I'd been managing long enough that I kind of decided, you know, it's one thing for the promoter to put me with someone and I will help them and I will manage them. And mm -hmm. in a lot of ways with newer people, I'll help them grow. But not everybody always wants to work with you or have you as a manager. Sometimes a promoter just puts you with it. And at that point in time, I decided... I'm going to pick who I work with. I've done this for a little while. Yeah. And so between that, there just really wasn't anyone. And uh, there was a thing happening for RCW when I worked from at the time it was basically a fight for the company. And uh, one of the wrestlers had mentioned just, well, why don't you be like a backstage correspondent, you know, like a war correspondent on this war for the company. And so I just started doing it like with my, with my phone selfie style and, you know, walking up to someone abruptly and interviewing them. 
and uh, kind of had some fun with it. And it just snowballed into all of a sudden I had a camera guy and we had mics and um, and we were doing some like weird, wacky stuff, just throwing everything against the wall. But at the same time, what I started hearing after like, you know, six months to a year was some of the, the rest was especially the younger ones saying like, I really liked the Archer Report. Like, I appreciate this. Like, I don't get a chance to, in the moment, uh, work on my promos and talk in mm-hmm. the way I want to be as a character. And and uh, just over time, I started to realize that it was actually benefiting the roster by giving them an opportunity to both have extra time to show who they were and tell their story, and at the same time become more comfortable in front of the camera in a you know high high stress situation, whether it's camera with lights in your face and me interviewing you. Mm-hmm. And so it really only was going to be something that was short term and it, everyone loved it so much. And what I love the most about the Archer report was uh, not as much the interviews as like the little weird side stories we come up with. And I've always been like at one point in time, um, well, I guess I should say through most of my teens, I wanted to go into being a videographer, being a director. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I'd written scripts. I had uh, sort of filmed a few things. So I've always wanted to like basically make my own content. And here I had basically my own content that everybody was just happy to be a part of. So we just started doing all kinds of weird stuff. And that's where we came up with things like uh, uh, Freaky Thad's Day, where, you know, me and Goose switch bodies because we both touched a haunted Scott Steiner figure. And yeah. Um, weekend of Thads where I accidentally took some the wrestler's strong prescription and I was basically like weekend at Bernie's and I had to get dragged <laughs> around and and so yeah it was just a bit of both of that and uh, you know eventually I switched companies and part of the re- or one of the things that was you know mentioned to me in switching the company is we'd love to have the Archer Report brought to PWA when I started with PWA um, and so then again, here I am still doing the Archer Report. And, uh, you know, when PWA was uh, never came back after the pandemic, one mm-hmm. of the first things Spencer said to me when uh, Love Pro Wrestling was starting is, I want to have the Archer Report. So mm-hmm. it just kind of kept going. And and for me, because it, people found that it helped them and it was an extra creative output for myself, I just kept going with it. <laughs> it it's funny how much having an output like that can improve even like your uh, like I know for myself, like being able to do the podcast, I started during the pandemic. It it did wonders for my mental health, having a creative out, like an outlet like this, being able to talk and do something fun, something I enjoy, something I love. So, I mean, I, I think it's uh, very beneficial and I encourage anyone, you know, like if that's your thing, go out and try it because I mean, it it's, I don't know, for me, it, it did wonders and just having an outlet definitely improved, like, especially in a time where it was so like, you never knew what was going to go, what was happening. What was yeah. Going on, yeah. So. Well, that was like same to uh, Boris. Um, hi, Boris. Um, Boris's credit is uh, he had actually trained in radio and was trying to find work in radio, but radio is very much of a young man's game and you have to move mm-hmm. all over the place and he has kids. And so uh, he started during the pandemic too, punk and pile drivers. And it's the same thing he related just like you to me is that it's just how great he feels to have that creative output. And, yeah. and I always like people ask me, you know, how to, 
how do you do the, this guy at my local grocery store, he watches Arch Report and he goes, how do you, how do you do the Arch Report? I explained to me how, and just said, you just have to film stuff and come up with, you know, write some stuff down. And he's like, well, I don't know if I can do it. I said, just do it. Like if, yeah. if five people watch it, five people watch it. And you, mm -hmm. I mean, the biggest thing is you in, in the content game, you just have to keep chugging along and yes. putting stuff out there and you know maybe a few things will click and you'll grow a fan base but it's like you nothing's immediate so you have nope. to just keep doing it but if the process of doing that feels great and it's like you know something like you said it helps you uh emotionally it helps you feel fulfilled do it i mm -hmm. i often recommend to all kinds of people that like i'm, I'm glad to see guys uh like tales of the undercard and rich king yes i i you know someone said to me like oh you don't like them doing that uh it does not seem like the arch report I said, excuse my french but fuck that that's great mm -hmm. these guys are telling their stories in more ways than just at a local show and mm -hmm. i think really in the age we're in now where everything's all over the place and uh you know you have so many things garnering for your attention why not do as much as you can to get yourself out there Yes, a hundred percent. I like this is for me. I love doing the podcast. There's been times where you know I thought like, you know, you get discouraged with something, which is normal. You know, whatever it may be. You know, maybe, you know, like there's been times where I've had a guest on and I was really hyped to to share it, and it doesn't get the same reaction as others. You know, like it happens. But it's you almost have to remember why you're doing it, and it's for wrestling what i enjoy so like yeah don't get discouraged about you know something not doing as well as you thought it's no big deal just keep doing it just keep doing it do another one maybe that'll come out better learn from your i wouldn't say mistakes but learn from those trials and yeah. grow that's i mean the archer report at any point in time if you would point to any time i'd never say i liked it completely mm -hmm. like the, i'd always find something wrong with it i change format a little bit or change this and that there's never a point in time where i'd say i liked it but that's because i just wanted to make it better you know mm -hmm. i don't i and i'm like that i i hate everything because i want it to be better <laughs> <laughs> well you mentioned makes me uh, a good heel. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned joining up with love pro wrestling coming out of the pandemic you know as soon as spencer started doing it um you've recently been partnered up with seven you've been a, a big part of them and i mean jack pride is also someone very creative uh, i enjoy talking to him just to you know get a little insight into the minds of jack and pride there and, and like i'm always enthralled by the creativity that comes with wrestling oh yeah no it's i mean some of the some of the characters some of the i mean even you you see certain people in the way they uh speak Pride, for instance, the difference between Jack and Pride, so subtle, but so interesting. It's, it's, it's a movie, but it's not, you know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. uh, and credit to Pride. I mean, I always call him, called him my MVP of the Archer Report because, uh, he'd be like, you know, like the Miz or Cena, you could take him at any point. He could be ready to go out for his match and you could take him at any point and say, do a promo right now and just knock it out of the park. So, yeah. uh, Obviously, we had teased together. I mean, if you look back through the Archer reports, if you look at, uh, I think, episode... Oh, I'm not going to remember. I never remember episode 147 or something. Basically, the introduction of Seven, I put before uh, basically stuff from five years ago when Pride and I worked together where it hinted at me maybe being greed. And I mm -hmm. waited five years to work with Jack Pride 
in sevens. So that's long-term storytelling. If I'm well, it's, it's, yeah, it, that's the thing is I, I always think about that. Like I, I like to, I, I can't tell you how many there's wrestlers that are retired that I'd laid hints of what something could be, or maybe could be. I like to, I just feel it, 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 it rewards the fans for watching yeah. is to add those what uh, pride and I like to call breadcrumbs, but it rewards fans, uh, you know, dedication and viewership by having little stuff like that. And so, you know, we'd sort of hinted it and left it and, uh, and then things happened and I went to PWA and then he came to PWA and then maybe it was going to be in PWA and then the pandemic happened. And uh I'm I'm a patient man. Like the great thing about being a manager is it's an old man sport. For wrestlers, mm-hmm. it's a young man sport. Uh, you know, your body's gonna deteriorate eventually. But as a I can go I'll go out there with a cane or in a wheelchair. I don't care. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I have lots of time ahead of me. So I often tell a lot of people just, you know, when they're getting upset about where they're going in wrestling, it's just take your time, wait. And mm-hmm. I knew that if I waited for the right time, uh Pride and I would have the perfect platform and wow. uh to to have all the wild ideas that we've uh, come up with together as, as seven and LPW love pro wrestling is that perfect platform. And now is the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you mentioned like the little breadcrumbs and I think a fan of, you know, whether it's TV shows or movies, that's something you always like, you know, professional wrestling is no different because it lets your mind wander and think like, Oh, maybe this is a possibility or this. And like, I don't know. I look back at the show lost and how like, you know, there'd be like little hints throughout things and some of them never paid off, but like as a fan, you'd watch the episode and then you'd be like, Oh, what if it means this and this yeah. and different <laughs> possibilities? Maybe you know? This is going to happen. Maybe they're just going to ruin the whole ending of the show. You know, like, <laughs> wait, I never thought that. But <laughs> <laughs> Depends on, I mean, people say the ending of Sopranos was crap, but I think that was great. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I love that. Like, I love story. Uh, I'm a voracious reader. I'm a voracious. Uh, I love cinema. I love TV shows. And I drive my wife nuts sometimes because I'll, I'll turn her and I'll be like, yeah, he's going to betray her. She's like, no. And I just, I, I've studied story so much that uh, that's why I appreciate, I, I want to put it little breadcrumbs for people because I'm looking for them all the time. No, in no matter what I'm and picking up and trying to think plot in my mind where is the story going to go and and it keeps you more invested right and Mm -hmm. the more invested fans or the more paying fans and the more fans that are at shows or buying merchandise and well all it takes is for you know one fan you know to throw up a tweet or something you know about like oh maybe this happens you get one person to comment and it is a snowball effect bringing in more fans to shows people are into it more so i mean to me i'm all about that stuff um I wanted to ask because, I mean, you've never been afraid to take a bump. Uh, recently posted a picture. I think Abyss had choke slammed you into thumbtacks, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yep. So, I mean, you, you've you got a career of being a part of everything. Was there any moments that really stood out to you? Like my favorite moments or? Sure, we'll go with favorites. Um. Well, another one I sort of reshared recently and a uh, huge thanks to fellow Winnipegger Danny Duggan um, was uh, getting a chance to work with Jake Snake Roberts. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was doing the, C- you know, CWE loves to tour across mm-hmm. Canada. Uh, they haven't been out West here as much as of late, but uh, they were doing a 30 or 33 day tour with Jake. 
and they had me booked in Edmonton and I had my team against basically he was a manager against his team. And, you know, Jake at this age and doing that many dates, he's not going to even doing the DDT is you're essentially taking a bump. Right. And uh, throughout that whole 30 some day tour, I guess he only gave two DDTs and one was to me. And like the whole process of, of, of that uh, and, you know, briefly talking to him after that's, that's always a highlight for me. And I'd say the other highlight in speaking of breadcrumbs would be uh, in PWA where I went and moved to PWA and they asked me to be the uh, good guy commissioner, uh, come in as uh, a face to use terms. And that's something I'd never done as Staddy Searcher third. I'd been a ring announcer uh, and, you know, I uh, hugged everybody and, you know, kissed hands and shook babies and that kind of stuff. But <laughs> I never, I'd never actually been, oh wait, I'd never actually been like as Thaddeus, a good guy. So I was pretty nervous, but uh, I came out and, you know, some of the crowd recognized me because some crowd go to different shows in town and it worked out great. And the whole, pro, the whole reason of that was I was eventually going to betray everyone. Mm-hmm. And uh, through the, you know, the, the wondrous booking, the PWA committee, um, basically it built to where it just looked like I was like a bumbling commissioner. I, I was screwing things up and the good guys kept losing and, and this kept happening and that kept happening. It was always, I was always a catalyst for it. And, uh, and then finally Michael Richard blaze, uh, had won after like a, a 30 minute or 40 minute match. He, he won the title and it was just, you know, the roof blew off the place and he'd had the title a few times, but it'd been a while. And just like that moment was really special and my music hit and I came out and I congratulated him as the commissioner. And then I said, you know, you are, you are the perfect champion for PWA, but you're not my champion. And you could feel the whole air suck out of the room. And I said, you know, you're a champion of a different era, but no, this is, let me introduce you to who I think my champion is. And I brought Michael Allen, Richard Clark, um, into which I started a match right then and there immediately for the title, even though you just wrestled 40 minutes mm-hmm. and uh, even still cheated to help him win and basically just swerved the entire crowd. And uh, that whole process of, of that, and I credit to Spencer Love, who wasn't part of any of that at the time, but he was speaking of breadcrumbs. He wrote uh, for his win column at the time, he wrote something the next day where he had actually picked up like I hadn't told him, no one had told him, but he'd picked up on all the little pieces. How of all the bumbling things I had done were actually benefiting my guys, the era mm-hmm. of Archer. And so I started the era of Archer. I now was the authority figure, but I was a complete asshole. And I had a you know a group of guys behind me. And uh, just something about that whole thing. It was a perfect story. Just such an amazing story to be told. And uh, And then a gentleman, a fan on the way home tweeted, um, something to the nature of Thaddeus Archer III, thanks so much. Uh, my kids were crying the whole way home. <laughs> I, had to, I had to console them. And and that's when you know you've made it as a heel, right? It's yeah. a, I made kids cry. And as a dad, <laughs> I don't want to make kids cry, but it was like, you know, I, I was far enough re- removed from it with, the, with social media that I was like, yes, I did it. But I feel like that was one of, you know, my really defining moments. And, and most of the credit goes to, uh, the PWA booking committee, but it was just something special about that time. And, uh, and the only, the only hamper on the whole thing is uh, I never got to finish the whole story. It was supposed to end uh, basically 
you know, the month the pandemic started, the next month we were supposed to have our show and we never got to have that show and PWA hasn't came back. So I never got to end that story and that'll always kind of suck. But the the process of the story is just one of my favorite moments in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a couple more for you, then I'll let you go enjoy your Thursday evening to uh, get ready for the weekend. But I know that you are you were a big Owen Hart fan. Yep, and I I was hoping you could you know just share maybe if you had any favorite matches of his or just what really stood out about him that drew you in as a fan. Uh, well, I mean, if anybody doesn't say his match against Brett, they're an idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that, that that whole match was just a masterclass in wrestling. Um, but I loved I I didn't quite pick up on Owen until he was he got tired of Brett's shit and became a heel and you know enough is enough and it's time for a change and i'm not a nugget and he was just there wasn't a lot of heels like that where it's almost like someone you could you could almost laugh at like you you almost want to take them as a joke but you also knew that if you took owen as a joke that would be a mistake Mm-hmm. Like cause he was just so over the top and whiny and and uh, and then you know, but when he got into the ring, he was just amazing. Like Owen was such an amazing wrestler, so it was just like this perfect kind of dichotomy between the two that I just appreciated so much because it wasn't your typical like bread and butter heel. It was there was there was story behind it, a brother's jealousy. There was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just the way he portrayed it, because he was such a comedian in real life. We've all heard the stories. And then that's kind of, I mean, how I see myself in a lot of ways. So, like, I just, I, I related to Owen a lot then is that I, I love I love life that has a bit of comedy and a bit of drama. And mm-hmm. uh, and so, yeah, that's where Owen really stuck for me. And then, then you, you later on go to look at like at the time i didn't have a chance to watch his japanese stuff but then you go and watch some of his japanese stuff and just his whole body of work he was such an amazing wrestler and on top of that i'm a sucker for also someone who's just a great person yeah and anything you hear about owen is just just this wonderful human mm-hmm. um i've had a chance to meet all the hearts almost i uh, save you know stew and uh Stu and Martha and stuff like that, but I've had a chance to meet Smith and Ross and Keith and all that sort of stuff and Brett. And I never had a chance to meet Owen, but there was something Smith once said to me was uh, he said something in the nature of like, Owen was the best of us mm-hmm. and he was the best heart. He was the, the, the best of us. And it just anytime, you know, I'm, I'm good friends with Bronwyn um, dynamite kids, daughter, Bronwyn Bellington yeah. and, and you know, like it just to hear stories through through them and through Harry, through Davy Boy Smith Jr. Even during my time uh, when I trained at Teddy's school, he'd tell stories of Owen, and just everybody spoke with him with such a revere. So it was just this kind of like perfect mixture of everything. Whether it was his character, whether it was his wrestling, or whether it just was the person he was, how could you not love Owen? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know, like given the time after he had stayed with WWF at the time after Brett and everyone else left and all I wanted he had so many opportunities storyline wise to win the European championship to get that revenge over Hunter and never got it and to this day I still have a hatred about that (laughs) storyline and I mean 
side note, same with the Cactus Jack Triple H storyline that dragged on forever and Cactus never got the win. Common denominator Triple H, but that's another story. <laughs> but like it was it killed me that Owen never got that comeuppance. That's yeah. All I, did. I think to myself so often, like there's been so many times over the years where I was just like, what would the landscape of wrestling today be like if Owen was still around? And I'm sure by now he would have retired, but yeah. just imagine Owen versus John Cena. And like, don't give me, I know, you know, people will say what they will about John, um, that he's not this, you know, amazing wrestler. I personally think he's a great wrestler and just, John. yeah. And just like, imagine those, or, uh, I mean, just to have like this older Owen basically, you know, running a stable or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, or Owen having like one last shot at the world title before he gets too old because, you know, eventually Owen was going to retire. It's like, I just, I just wanted more Owen. Like I still think about it all the time. He's, he, I mean, he was the heart and soul, really. The late nineties, early two thousands with the, the wrestlers that were coming up at that time. I mean, you, you have to think he still would have been going into the 2000s. And I mean, that's when you had, you know, your AJ Styles debut and your Christopher Daniels and all Brian Daniels and all these other guys. And to think oh, of possibilities. One versus Brian Danielson? Like, come on. Like, <laughs> I've signed me Take up my for money, something. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I just always had a soft spot for him. And I yeah. know everybody, you know, it's like it's, it's sacrilege to say anything negative against Brett in Canada. But uh, I've, I've always just said it is uh i'm i'm more of an owen fan owens yeah. and i mean like owen looked like me like i mean the hair is a little darker now that i'm older but i was i was a blonde shaggy haired you know kid and i was i had an attitude too and so i just related to owen too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um i like to ask every guest for a match recommendation so one that you are a fan of that I you want to think of this. Oh. I've listened to your podcast. And I was like, if I'm ever on, I'm going to think of it ahead of time because I'm horrible at remembering matches. So, I mean, you know what? I'll, I'll throw out a couple just, you know, you know, to talk about, you know, stuff I like just to let you give, give you a chance to, uh, you know, the, well, because it's funny because it's like too, I don't recommend matches. I'm I'm not really a wrestler, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, if someone says there's a difference between, in my mind, what you would have a match you'd recommend as opposed to a favorite match. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. There is, yeah. And so, like, you know, one of my favorite matches of all time is Mick Foley versus uh, Randy Orton Backlash because I was there live watching it happen. And at the same time, it was an amazing hardcore match. Yeah. Like, Randy, to his credit, took everything and it told a story. Um, but I don't know if I necessarily recommend that to everybody. <laughs> so, yeah, well, um, like I, uh, one I'm going to throw out that I think you know, in the the same vein of uh, Randy Orton, I'll tell people that they should go back to I think it was WrestleMania 31, the one with him and Seth Rollins, where they did the pop up RKO out of the curb. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's one I think you know. Go go watch that. One, I'm trying to find which LPW it is, so I'm going to plug LPW because okay. I'm a shameless plug whore. But I, I still, <laughs> to this day, say it is uh, one, if not my very favorite match in LPW, was uh, Michael Richard Blaze versus mm -hmm. Travis Williams. 
and I had never worked with Travis Williams. So I'm looking it up here. I never worked with Travis Williams. I'd seen a little bit of his stuff. Everybody was talking about how he was like the the next MRB. Uh, so it's LPW two. Don't want to grow up. So it was yeah the second LPW show, and uh, here I was calling that match. So I had a great seat um, with the setup at Love Wrestling. Like you're right there, looking level with the ring from a balcony. And uh, I, I almost like I didn't even talk. There was something mm-hmm. like I've watched uh, Michael Richard Blaze, uh, aka once Chucky Blaze, wrestle for years, uh, even before I got into wrestling myself, and watched him grow. And he's just an amazing wrestler. And then to see basically like I, I agree with what people said. It's like this looks like another MRB in a sense. This young up and coming. It reminded me of like the early Michael Richard Blaze. Mm-hmm. And to see them in a match, it was just it was, just blew my mind. Like it had been so long since I'd I'd been to so many live shows and I've watched so many matches, but it had been so long since I was just awestruck. And that's mm-hmm. one of my absolute favorite Love Pro Wrestling matches. Yeah, I mean, I have the utmost respect for both of those guys. I mean, incredible people, incredible wrestlers, and I've, I've been fortunate to talk to both, and I look forward to many more conversations with them in yeah. the future. Um, now, this is going to be dropping a few days before LPW 16. Um, you will be there with Seven, I presume, as they take on the Clandestine Society? I, I better be. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will absolutely be there. Um, this only continues what we have in mind, which I can't elaborate to whatsoever. But if you've seen what we've done in the last uh, five months in Love Pro Wrestling, um, basically that's what we're looking to do across the entire roster. Um, mm-hmm. We went up against you know one of the biggest forces in Love Pro Wrestling, the Rads, and uh, you know now they're. A, bit of a mess they have no more titles and uh and now uh we don't waste any time the clandestine society has been another one that's uh huge in our minds to go after and we're, we're looking to make a name for seven um mm-hmm. and whereas other groups you know you have the rads which is kind of like a brotherhood and you have clandestine which is kind of like a family and we're 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 a unit we're one this is mm-hmm. we are seven this for us isn't about uh relationships it's about taking what we think we deserve and uh in a lot of people you know in our first few months were dismissive of us and we're just going to continue to fully prove why seven is going to be the most dominant force and already is one of the most dominant forces in love pro wrestling well, I know I am going to be watching live on Twitch, Love Wrestling CA Twitch channel. If you are in Edmonton, I encourage everyone, go grab a ticket and uh, go see what Seven's all about. I don't think you will be disappointed at all. <laughs> um, here's a chance. If you have any social media to plug or anything like that, uh, go ahead. All right. Um, well, on all social media, well, I guess I should say, except for Instagram. Instagram, I'm just Thaddeus Archer. I never went Thaddeus Archer 3 on there. <laughs> and by the time someone told me I could change it, I had already been tagged in so many things, I didn't want to change it. But uh, everything else, when it comes to uh, Facebook, to Twitter, uh, to TikTok, shows probably a few I'm missing, Snapchat. <laughs> um, Thaddeus Archer 3 is what you want to look for for my handle, at Thaddeus Archer 3. Um, and then, of course, there's one was once known as Thaddeus Archer 3rd YouTube channel. 
has been known for the past few years as TA3 TV, which is Thaddeus Archer the Third TA3. Um, and that is where all the old Archer reports are. Even if you aren't a fan or like if you're a wrestling fan, but you don't know anything about it, get into it. I, mm-hmm. I've had so many people, one of my, point of prize is so many people would tell me guys would say my girlfriend won't watch raw with me but she'll watch the archer report with me mm-hmm. because there was just story to it and ridiculousness and you didn't have to know who people were you started to pick up over a couple episodes and they're all short they're all you know anywhere from uh 10 to 20 minutes each so you can go back and watch all the archer reports uh one thing we didn't bring up is the archer report is now done Mm-hmm. Um, as uh, Spencer, apparently I was treating the staff a little rough and I was, uh, my contract was not renewed with Love Pro Wrestling to be the backstage correspondent. They're working on a replacement. Um, but that being said, I'm uh, sort of, you know, leaving their report where it is. But if anyone does follow me on Instagram, they saw a teaser yesterday in my stories. Um, r- when this will probably drop around the same week on uh, June 27th, you'll see a new project because I'm so hooked on making content. Now I have to have something for you and I can't say anything more to it, but uh, follow me on all social media. And if you get a chance, subscribe to TA3 TV TV on uh, TA3 TV on YouTube and uh, follow us because, you know, hit the notification bell because come the 27th, you'll see something new from Thaddeus. Well, Thaddeus, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this. I've loved listening to Grainmaker, and I've told myself, I'm like, Blair is a very, I appreciate a well-spoken interviewer, and so I've, I'm glad that we finally had a chance to get together and do this. Thank you so much to Thaddeus, and thank you for checking out the podcast. I say it every time. I will always say it. I truly appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to me talk about wrestling. If it's your first time listening, you can find me up on Twitter, at GrainmakerPod, all other social medias, Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, email graymakerpodcast at gmail.com um, and you can find me doing streaming up on love wrestling every saturday sometimes sundays me and my good friend plugo we host for exposure as we look at the world of independent wrestling we'll preview shows review shows just talk about all the news ongoings all that sort of, sort of fun stuff so check out for exposure up on the love wrestling youtube page and i sometimes do the brunch gimmick as well check that out as well there's so many great programs up on love wrestling do not miss out subscribe to the patreon we talked about that earlier just check it all out thanks again for checking out the podcast we'll talk soon